Hey friends, this is Andy Storch, and I'm excited to announce that we are bringing the Talent Development Think Tank Conference back on February 22nd and 23rd in Sonoma, California. Yes, you might remember we hosted this conference for the first time in January 2020, and it was a huge hit with everyone telling us it was the best conference they ever attended. And of course, we were looking forward to running it again in 2021 until the pandemic hit. That's when I launched the Talent Development Think Tank membership community, and that's been going strong since May of 2020. But I know how valuable it is to get people together in person, and that's why we are excited to be bringing the conference back again on February 22nd and 23rd in Sonoma, California. I'm committed to making this a highly engaging and interactive event where you can connect, learn, and grow together with other talent development professionals. This is going to be the best event out there in talent development, and I would love to see you there. If you want to find more information and get your tickets today, the website is tdtt.us conference. That's tdtt.us slash conference. I hope to see you there. Welcome to the Talent Development Hot Seat with your host, Andy Storch. The show is dedicated to helping you develop the most important part of your organization, the people. If you are in HR or talent development, or you just want to learn how to get the best out of your people, then you are in the right place. This podcast is designed to give you what you need to be successful in the world of talent development. Now, here's your host, Andy Storch. Welcome to the Talent Development Hot Seat. I am your host, Andy Storch, and I'm excited that you are joining me today for another great interview, sharing some value and knowledge with you to help you on your talent development journey. And today I'm sharing another interview from our Talent Development Virtual Summit that we hosted back in September. And this is a really great one with my friend, Audrey Maisanat Morales. And uh, Audrey has created a comprehensive learning journey and uh, collection of programs uh, where she works at Blue Cross Blue Shield in North Carolina. Uh, this is one of the most comprehensive programs I've ever seen or heard of. Accounts for everything, especially moving into the virtual world after COVID hit in 2020. And there's just a ton of great information here. Um, Audrey's going to share the story of how the program came to light in uh, Blue Cross Blue Shield, how they modernized learning by moving into the digital space based on Josh Burson's concept of learning in the flow of work. Uh, she talks about learning in the flow of transformation, how her team got all this stuff done, identifying the KPIs, key performance indicators that would be measurable and help inform overall performance and give insights, um, how COVID changed the game and the learning strategy, um, how they moved into the virtual world, um, how they reduced their instructor-led training by 50%, um, how they created multi-model learning that was personalized and all kinds of other things I could go down the list, but there's just a ton of great information in this um, interview with Audrey, so I can't wait to share it with you. I want to remind you that I also host a membership community called the Talent Development Think Tank Community. Uh, it is where we bring people together in the talent development world to learn, grow, connect, share best practices, and solve real challenges. And we have uh, calls every week where we bring in either guest speakers or we do open forum discussions where we can support each other, answer questions, help each other solve challenges. And we do some speed networking on a monthly basis too, so people can connect, build their network, um, find people who can help them with stuff they're doing, people are getting jobs, uh, all kinds of great things are coming out of this. And the community has been growing slowly since I launched it back in the middle of 2020 after COVID hit. And if you work in talent development, 
this is the place to be. We've got so many wonderful members from companies across North America, as well as Europe and the Middle East as well. Uh, so if you work in talent development, you're looking for a community where you can uh, connect, where you can learn together, where you can learn from others, you can share your valuable experience as well, come check us out. Uh, our website is tdtt.us. That's tdtt.us. You can find all the information there. Uh, as well as our, our pricing, and you can sign up right there. Or if you have questions, feel free to reach out to me. My email address is andy at andystorch.com. Uh, if you have questions about the community, about the podcast, uh, about my book, uh, anything you want to talk about, feel free to reach out, andy at andystorch.com. All right, without further ado, here is my interview with Audrey Morales. Enjoy. One of the top trends in talent development these days is the concept of creating personalized learning and transformation. Things have become more challenging in the virtual world and we can always benefit from hearing how the best leaders have created and pivoted their programs during these times of remote and virtual development. And I've got a great case study and guest for you today. Hi, my name is Andy Storch, your Summit host, and I'm excited to introduce you to our next legendary Summit speaker, Audrey Masonette Morales, is Vice President of Enterprise Learning and Development and Blue University for Blue Cross Blue Shield in North Carolina. Audrey is responsible for the organization's learning strategy, leads the training and shared services, and champions the company's learning culture. In 2016, Audrey was recognized by CLO Magazine as the Chief Learning Officer of the Year, and I'm excited to have her here with us today. Audrey, welcome, and thank you for being here. Good morning, and thank you so much for having me, Andy. Yeah, really excited to dive into this topic. I know you've been working for a few years now on a really great learning program for your organization that is personalized, blended, involves a lot of different facets, and I'm excited to dive into that. Um, I'd love for you to share some of the story of how this got started, you know, starting with assessing the needs and understanding, you know, what the organization needed and where you wanted to go. Yeah, so um, we've been very fortunate at Blue Cross North Carolina to really value what learning brings to the organization's competitive edge. And so for years, we've had, I think, a progressive strategy that's kept us, you know, in the forefront of um, learning trends. Well, in 2018, as an HR division, we decided to do a deep dive study to really understand how the organization was changing and what we needed to do to be much more innovative and strategic. In that process, one of the things that was identified was from a learning perspective, we really needed to modernize the way that we were learning. So historically, our largest consumers were people that had, I would say, transaction-based jobs, right? So yes, we did have a big population of um, professional leadership and continuous learning, but a big part of our portfolio was directed towards, you know, this technical transactional type jobs. Well, as the workforce started to shift with the demographics and the type of work that we were doing, you had disruptors that were associated with technical enablement, process and um, automations, et cetera. The workforce now is more heavily populated with knowledge workers and those needs have changed. That coupled with the way that people are learning naturally, so learning being ubiqui ubiquitous in nature, um, there is a need and a, and a preference by learners to basically have this blended um, um, blurring of the lines, you know, of how they learn naturally 
meaning that if I'm in my everyday walk of life, if I want information, I can just Google, I can, you know, take a quick video course and get what I need and go about my life and how they were learning in the workforce. And what we were, what we understood through our study is that at Blue Cross North Carolina, even though we had this really advanced and sophisticated learning function, we were still very heavily rooted in traditional methodologies. And so we then set out to modernize learning by moving us into the digital, the digital space. And a lot of that work was predicated on Josh Burson's um, thinking around learning being in the flow of work. So we were taking this concept of learning in the flow of work and digitizing the learning platforms and how learning was being delivered to the organization in a multimodal capacity um, to really just transform. And so that is really how our strategy was born into what we're calling now learning in the flow of transformation. So as the organization continues to shift, as our demographics continue to shift, as we have this convergence of all these different disruptors, um, we now have um, the ability to just keep learning, moving and adapting in a personalized manner that meets the organization's needs. Really cool. And uh, I love this concept of learning in the flow of transformation. It sounds like there were probably a lot of different parts that went into this. Uh, how did you assess the needs to figure yeah. out, okay, what needs to be included in this? What do our learners need and make sure you're addressing the right concerns? So that's a great question. So once the study was completed and we, we put the, the, you know, the declaration on paper to say, okay, yes, we're going to modernize um, learning. We really paid attention to market trends. Um, and I'm a real big researcher. So I really spent a lot of time trying to figure out, you know, what was happening in our industry? What was happening that was industry agnostic? And what were some of those new tools and enablements that was allowing people to stay on the leading edge of how skills and knowledge was evolving? Um, and in doing so, we literally did another study with my innovations lead that I have on my team to really understand what that needed to look like relative to Blue Cross North Carolina. So we took the external perspective, we reconciled it against our internal perspective to then come up with our strategy. So once we completed our deep dive analysis on that, then we built out the framework for the new strategy. And that was done through a lot of greenhousing. And that's, you know, the brainstorming and really thinking through what are all the possibilities? Once we completed that process, we started the heavy lifting of building out the business case. So now it was, we know what the North Star needs to look like. Now we've got to have the funding to be able to make it a reality. So we did the greenhousing, we built out a business case and the business case was pretty solid. We were able to demonstrate how we would achieve a return on investment after a period of time and how we would create value to the organization by delivering learning in this new capacity um, and then presenting it to our senior leaders, getting buy-in, and the rest is history. I love it. And I was going to ask you about that business case, how you went about getting executive support, because I would imagine with all the things going into this that uh, it was a pretty expensive or large investment um, for this type of thing. Yeah. Um, what sort of, what components went into that business case? How did you talk about measurement and, you know, how you were, you know, what the expected ROI might be? Did you use data? Um, and what else went into that? Absolutely. Data is your friend. 
So in this case, you know, we were basically moving forward on a hypothesis, right? And so if you looked at the trends, most organizations, most learning organizations were getting the feeling that they needed to start moving in this direction anyway. So we had enough insights to be able to support that this was the right thing to do. Um, and we had enough data that would help us to determine based on the amount of training that we had in the organization today, the demand, what that demand looked like against very specific modalities, shifting that now to um, modalities that would create efficiencies in the organization, we were able to distill that down to quantify what either the hard and the soft savings would look like, which again, ended up being very attractive. We, we worked very closely with our finance department. We worked very closely with other industry experts to really identify KPI or key performance indicators um, that we believed would be measurable and that would help inform our overall performance and give us enough insight to be able to course correct as necessary to be able to meet those desired outcomes. And so laying all that out in a digestible way that actually spoke the language of the business. So basically moving away from learning jargon to really um, presenting the business case in language that aligns to the business made all the difference in the world. That's something that I find that from a learning perspective, we tend to shy away from a little bit. It can be a little scary when you start speaking in data terms and speaking in finance terms, but that's truly how you get the attention of your senior most leaders to get the necessary buy-in and to get the funding that you need to be able to make these visions a reality. So glad you mentioned that because when I speak to other chief learning officers and you know successful talent executives, the, and I ask about getting executive support, the number one thing that always comes up is you have to understand the business strategy and what the business cares about and speak their right. language. And uh, I haven't heard it put that way before. I think that's great. Get away from the learning jargon, get out of your own world, that's right. get into the world of the business and speak their language and show them why it's going to benefit them. Uh, and that's the way to get support. That, that's the name of the game now, right? So when you, when you talk to most CEOs, the expectation now is that every aspect of the business is being run like a business. So you can't look at learning as just a support function any longer. You, you literally need to look like, even if you don't have a P&L, treat it like it's a P&L. So what is, you know, your game plan to really stay in the black um, and to, you know, positively impact the bottom line for the organization while, con while continuing to add value? Love it. All right. So you assessed the needs, you got the buy-in, um, you started building this program and you talked about making it personalized, creating more digital components, allow people to learn in the flow of transformation. Can you break down some of the components of this? What went into this program? What was part of it? Uh, and this is going back to when you're building this before COVID. So I imagine there are probably yeah. some classroom components as well. Oh, can I just tell you, COVID just really changed the game. So yeah. <laughs> COVID actually moved me a good year, maybe a year and a half further down the strategy than where we expected to be. So um, it again goes to show you that we were very successful, I think, in building out the right infrastructure that allowed us to pivot very quickly. So again, as I said before, I'm a huge fan of Josh Burson. So I actually you know, had the, the privilege of having some conversation with him and getting some deep understanding of what learning in the flow of work really did, you know, mean. 
and how we could take that concept and flip it to apply at Blue Cross North Carolina. So part of what we looked at was, you know, what does need to be our base, um, you know, our base platform to really make something like this happen. So we use Workday Learning. Um, we use Workday across all of our HR systems and now even finance. Workday Learning was the last, um, one of the last to come on board, which puts us in a position where we could have uh, a whole person talent solution. And so one of the things that we wanted to be able to solve for with this new way of learning um, is this whole person um, learning experience, right? And so moving away from a concept of the LMS where I go and I enroll for a class and I take it and off I go about my life, um, we wanted to create a scenario where the learner truly did sit in the driver's seat and it was all about the learner experience. And so we did a lot of research and landed on Degreed um, because Degreed allows us to use this, um, you know, AI-enabled intelligent platform to really get to know each learner and to create individualized learning experiences in a way that we could meet the person where they are in that moment and then build on their needs in an adaptive and continuous capacity. Um, and in doing so, you know, it allowed us to basically target the learning, again, where that person is and specifically what that person needed, and then be able to branch according to their preferences and changes that were happening perhaps in that person's role and or where they were moving towards in their, um, in their career journey. When COVID hit, that changed the game for us completely and actually um, was yet another feather in our business case hat because one thing that we did not consider was business continuity. So had we not had this um, infrastructure set up and had we not built out our ecosystem the way that we did, um, organizationally, we would have found ourselves in a world of hurt because we would not have been able to pivot the way that we did to continue on with the training that was necessary. Um, so as I said before, even though we did have blended learning as a core part of our portfolio, about 85% of what we were doing was still instructor-led. Moving now into this capacity, we've been able to reduce that by close to 50%. Um, and still have a very high touch experience for each one of our learners um, across the organization. And in the case of COVID, allow us to very seamlessly not only continue the learning that we had in the pipeline, but to be able to expand learning across all other dimensions. So when COVID hit, uh, you had already built the foundation for this and you personalized everything using a platform like Degreed and, and yes. having it recommend what people um, can and should be going through next. Uh, you said that you reduced instructor-led training by 50%. So I imagine this means not only moving away from the physical classroom, but even from not doing that much live virtual but creating a lot more on-demand type learning that people can engage in. That's exactly right. So again, back to my earlier point, we created multimodal learning, right? And so when we start talking about personalized learning, that's what, exactly what we mean. So um, not only do you have the option, so we, we have different um, content providers that we use that offer content in various, various ways, right? So the ILT or virtual instructor-led is still very much um, alive and well at Blue Cross North Carolina. 
but that may not necessarily be everything that you need. So we also have created um, lots of, of um, immersion and simulation opportunities through different technologies that we've also brought on board. Um, we do use um, different forms of media like books and, and articles. Um, video is very big for us so and gamification is very big for us. So all these various ways in which people can consume learning in a very targeted capacity. And because learners are no longer required to take a full course for something, when really all they may need is a module, it has created a level of efficiency now that people can get what they need very quickly, apply that learning, and be able to move on. Now, as we've reduced instructor-led training by about 50%, or that's what we're trending about 50%, what it's done though is it's shifted the work of our facilitators and our learning consultants that now they get to serve much more in even a coaching capacity so as you've completed that learning you may need some reinforcement in different ways we have people that are available to help with that through you know different levers that are pulled to again reinforce the learning that was um, that was achieved Really interesting. And that's really cool how you've pivoted and included all that and, and made it more personalized as well as created all these different components. Um, and now you are working coaching. And can you talk a little bit more about what sort of things are built into reinforced learning? Because we all know in the traditional model, there's that, uh, you know, the one program people go to and then after they leave, a lot of times people forget or the behavior yeah. can change. So what sort yeah. of things are you doing to reinforce the learning? Yeah, so that's great. So one of the things that we've been very intentional about is we have really delineated um, between training, which is literally your one-time event. You go, you take a class, and then you're off to the next. And then learning being something that's much more continuous and, and you know, kind of woven into a journey. And so after people, depending on what it is that they are choosing to consume or, you know, what the, the target um, um, subject matter is, it's not across everything, but depending on the, the subject matter. Um, let's say data analytics, for an example. That's a perfect example. That's a pretty meaty topic, and it's one that we've identified as being a pivotal skill in our organization, which means it's one that we're going to put more resources against because we want to build a strong bench um, in the organization because we've determined that it's something that improves our competitive advantage. So you complete the class or you complete your module or you know, however you've consumed it, and then you may be assigned, there may be a learning consultant that's assigned to that particular cohort or, or that particular learning path. And then you would have access to things like um, social learning activities through Yammer, or you may have um, access to an AR game that literally looks like a game that you would play on your iPad, for an example, that reinforces learning. Or you may go through, um, um, immersion simulation, which literally is you're sitting in front of an AI-driven avatar and you are going through a scenario that allows you to um, play back basically in a realistic scenario um, what you've learned. And as you've gone through that simulation, then you get immediate feedback about how well you did and where you could have improved, etc. So you get to really practice you know, those, um, those skills and that knowledge, um, and then get that corrective feedback along the way until you've achieved a level of mastery that's appropriate. 
Awesome. I, I love all of the components in that are reinforced learning, something that was missing so much in the past with the old traditional programs. And it sounds like yeah. you really modernized this and put so much effort into making sure that you are getting the impact that you planned on. And speaking of that, when we were talking about the business case, you talked about identifying the KPIs and um, putting the hypothesis together and how you were going to go about measuring and pivoting. Uh, so where are you now with that? You know, what sort of things have you done to measure the impact and have you made any pivots uh, as a result? Oh, absolutely. So, you know, when we first started out, um, you know, again, our plan was to basically crawl, walk, run. COVID changed that and we went from crawl to run. <laughs> and so we jumped over a lot of what I'm going to call processes and controls that we would have otherwise had buttoned up. So we've had to do a lot of experimentation as we've, you know, gotten through this model um, and have gotten very comfortable with iterating. And so what I mean by that is understanding what those targets are. So what gets measured is what gets done, plain and simple. So we're very clear and intentional about everything that we're doing and, you know, deciding what level we're going to measure against. And with that, taking a look at the results and then course correcting accordingly. Um, as we start to mature some of these systems and as we continue to get the voice of our customers, so we're very big on surveying, we work with um, MTM is a great partner of ours for an example. We really pay attention to what our learners are saying, we pay attention to what our leaders are saying. And then we reconcile that against all sorts of other indicators to include quality of design to determine where we need to make a shift. Um, I have um, an innovations lead that's on my team and she specializes in human-centered design. And so one of the things that we're really paying attention to as we start to get much more down this digital track is making sure that we keep the learner front and center. And so we run all sorts of experiments on a regular basis to make sure that, um, you know, what we are doing is driving the right outcomes, having the right impact, but first and foremost, creating this curiosity for continuous learning in a way that continues to drive the organization forward. Fantastic. I love that all these parts are, are all these components are part of it. You've talked a lot about um, some of the, the partners and the ecosystem. Anything else you would add about the overall ecosystem to make yeah. this whole, the whole thing work with partners you use, how things are created internally, that sort of thing? Yeah, so I will tell you, we're not um, perfect at this. So I can talk about this all day long and, it, and I probably make it sound like, wow, they got it together and it's so easy <laughs> and it's anything but that, to be honest. It's been a lot of hard work. Mm. Got a very, very talented team. Um, and like I said, we continue to iterate through. But what I have found is, you know, having the right ecosystem, the right partners, the right technologies, the right talent on your team, all coming together to make this work is critical to the success of your strategy. Um, I tell, you know, learning professionals all the time, you know, try not to get exhausted when you have um, providers outreach to you. You know, get curious about what people are doing and what people are offering, even if you're not in a, in a, in a position to take advantage of it. That's what keeps you on the leading edge of understanding what's changing out there. And so in our case, I strongly believe that by having strategic partners, it allows me to get the biggest bang for the buck. 
Um, our partners have much more breadth externally than I do, which means they know what works and what doesn't work. Um, I know Blue Cross, they know everything else. So we're able to marry those two thought processes together to come up with great things. And so when I look at um, content, content honestly, at this stage of the game is the heartbeat for learning and development, right? And so with skills and knowledge changing as rapidly as it does, um, it can get cost prohibitive to believe that you can, or to even attempt to organically create all that content in-house. And so we're very um, intentional about leveraging what I call the three Bs. So we're either going to buy it, we're going to build it, or we're going to borrow it. When we buy it, that means I'm leveraging one of my partners that has best-in-class content that is agnostic, right? It doesn't matter which company, it doesn't matter which industry, it just applies to everyone. We can buy straight off the shelf, it allows us to move very quickly. We're gonna build it. That means that whatever that content is, it really does require a degree of um, um, industry knowledge. It requires um, um, industry expertise within Blue Cross North Carolina. It needs to be nuanced for Blue Cross North Carolina. Um, and so in those instances, it makes sense that I use my internal instructional designers to develop that content. And then a borrow is a hybrid, right? So it, you know, it may be something that is a best in class, you know, agnostic piece of content, but I just need to make a slight tweak to it here and there um, that fits my organization. And so by leveraging different partners that fit into those different categories, it allows us to move very, very quickly to address the different skill sets that we have um, in a timely manner. Um, and again, continue to build the skills and capabilities that we need across the organization. And we continue to, to, to cycle that through. So as I identify my different partners, whether it's technology, content, whatever the case may be, these are people that are invested in our learning strategy um, and that are coming to the table to help us to realize that strategy. So it ends up being a win-win outcome for both. That's fantastic. And I love what you said about essentially leveraging expertise. You know Blue Cross Blue Shield. These partners know our experts in their certain subjects and you're That's able right. to, everybody can focus on what they're really good at uh, and create a really successful program. Um, the last thing I wanted to ask you about is uh, DEI has become increasingly important over the last couple of years. And I'm curious, are there any components of diversity, equity, and inclusion that have been built into this? And um, did you also do anything to react or change as a result of the death of George Floyd and the rise of the social justice movement? Yeah, that that's a that's a great question. Yeah, it's um it's unfortunate, you know, where we are right now, but there is a silver lining. And I think that silver lining is that the world is choosing to educate itself, which is awesome. The conversations and organizations have shifted and safe space is being created. Learning um, can play such a valuable role um, in helping to bridge some of those gaps. So in our case, you know, right after the death of George Floyd, and this is again going, going back to the value of having great business partners or strategic partners. Um, I was able to outreach, it was on a Sunday, and I outreached to my partners at Degree, and I said, listen, you know what's happening, we all know what's happening. I need to be in a position very, very quickly 
where the organization has access to learning content that they can digest that helps them to understand and process all this heavy stuff that's going on right now. Can you help me? And they galvanized literally on a Sunday. And by, I want to say that Tuesday, it took us a couple of days to do it. We had several learning paths across different areas of DEI that the organization was very easily, I mean, very quickly able to just start consuming. Um, and the feedback that we got from the organization was phenomenal. They were just blown away that we were able to actually provide that level of insights for them as quickly as we could. Courses, coursework, um, books, video, you name it, it was available to them. The other thing that we've started to do from a learning perspective is we really started to take a step back and look at even how we are positioning learning across the organization. So you heard me talk about personalized learning. Well, when we talk about personalized learning, it usually has been focused on, or it's normally focused on um, modality, you know, the way in which somebody prefers to consume the learning. And we do look at different dimensions of learning, you know, whether or not someone has a particular need that we need to accommodate. But we're taking it a little bit further now and really starting to vet out whether or not there's any unconscious biases that we need to address within our content and how content is being presented to the organization. And then finally, we've partnered directly with our, um, the Office of DEI at Blue Cross North Carolina, and we are helping to um, guide and develop very specific coursework that will be required for the organization um, to start you know, building again awareness and a culture, more of a culture because we've always had it, but more of a culture of inclusion. Uh, that's so important and I'm glad to hear that. And I I'm curious, you know, from a personal perspective, um, you're remiss if I didn't bring this up, you know, you being a black female executive is, uh, you have a unique perspective going into this situation. Um, did that play a role in how you reacted and what recommendation do you have, you know, speaking more broadly for organizations who are still thinking about how to respond to this, uh, what general advice do you have? So I think um, as a black woman executive, um, I was pretty heartbroken, quite frankly, with everything that was going on. Um, heartbroken on one end, but um, encouraged on the other. So, you know, as I mentioned earlier, the conversations have shifted now. And it, it makes me feel very proud, especially at Blue Cross North Carolina, because I'm seeing so many people that now have the courage to just want to have very different conversations. You know, putting the pretense, putting the, the defense on the shelf and just coming to the table to really have open and honest dialogue just to try to understand perspectives. Um, and, you know, I think as a learning professional, you know, that's a lot of where my head is, it's all about education. Um, and so part of what I really encourage other organizations to do is just not think about what you believe you've done in the past and not put your head in the sand to say, well, this doesn't exist in my organization. Understand that everybody's experience is different. And whether you're trying to target your black you know, population or your, your population of color, Understand also that your white employees are also going through some things. And the way that you can move your organization forward is to first 
start from a place of re-educating. What is your position on DEI? Um, where would you like to be relative to DEI? And how do you create um, safe place for people to learn to talk um, and to figure out together how to bridge gaps that may exist um, to be able to move forward in a way that truly is inclusive and equitable for everyone. Thank you so much for that. A really very, very important. And I see a lot of great organizations doing that and some that are still not, you know, haven't yeah. quite figured that out yet. And we've got to have those conversations and, and give people space. Um, last question, Audrey, just tying everything together, thinking about our audience being mostly talent development professionals who are looking for new ways to engage and develop their people in this virtual and volatile world. Um, what's one more piece of advice that you would give? Um, I would say the big thing is just get started. <laughs> Even if you have to start small, just get started. This is definitely um, the direction of the future. So regardless of what happens with COVID, you know, looking at the broader picture um, with, again, how people are learning, I think it's super important that organizations understand that it is necessary to start blurring the lines between how people learn naturally and how people are learning in the workforce. Um, and even if you are a small learning organization and you don't have a lot of money to invest, start, you know, start small, thinking about what can you do today um, that may just take you a step further um, with creating more flexibility with how people are learning and really putting the learner in the driver's seat. Absolutely. Just get started is the best way to go. Um, really. Thank you, Audrey. This has been great. If I look back at my notes, we have covered so much ground in this conversation. Um, we, we started with the story of how the learning program at Blue Cross Blue Shield came about back in 2018, how learning has changed and the new preferences of learning for the blended approach, um, how you moved into the digital space based on Josh Burson's concept of learning in the flow of work and changed that, adapted it even to this idea of learning in the flow of transformation how your team assessed the needs to create the right programs, how you went about getting a business case and identifying the right KPIs to put in there, uh, moving from learning jargon to the language of business being so important to speak the language of the business, how COVID changed everything and accelerated the direction of the program and where you were going, um, moving from that traditional LMS model to creating a more personalized learning experience using Degreed, um, the foundation you built, um, how you reduced instructor-led training by 50% to move into more on-demand digital type learning, um, creating multimodal learning that was personalized, the different forms of media that were used. You talked about gamification, personalization, how coaching factored in, um, the importance of reinforcing that learning and the things you did to do that. Uh, you talked about measurement and mentioned that what gets measured is what gets done, uh, which is so important. Um, the importance of having the right ecosystem and partners and getting curious about what different partners and people can provide to the situation, um, how and why to buy, build, or borrow uh, when it comes to your content, and then how DEI factored into this, how you uh, responded uh, after the death of George Floyd back in May and uh, included more co components to make sure that people could get the education and exposure they needed, um, your advice for other organizations, as well as the importance of re-education and the advice for people to just get started. Anything else you would add to that, Audrey, or if people want to reach out to you with any questions, where's the best place for them to go? Um, so yes, you can reach out to me LinkedIn. Um, I think my all of my contact information is there. Love to have conversations and share ideas with other learning professionals for sure. You're incredible that you actually captured all that. 
<laughs> and you were able to, you know, regurgitate it. Um, again, what I would say is, you know, this may sound like we have it all buttoned up. It is a learning journey for us as well. Um, we make mistakes along the way, but the key is definitely to iterate, to continue to um, improve and learn along the way and tell your story. Tell your story, whether it's good, it's bad or neutral, tell your story, get people excited about learning, get people on your side and help with the journey. That is excellent. Well, thank you so much for sharing and for the nice compliment. I've been in consulting for 10 years and there's one thing I've learned, it's how to listen to what people say and then That's take some awesome. notes and repeat it back to them. Uh, well, thank you again, Audrey, this has been fantastic. And for all of you who have been listening and watching, thank you for tuning in, for being here with us. I hope you took a lot of notes like I did. And I want you to write down, what are those one or two key takeaways? What's that thing you want to do to get started, as Audrey said, set a goal, uh, take some, make a plan, take some action, maybe talk with some people in your organization to see what you can do to create a more personalized learning approach. Uh, let us know how it goes if you have any questions. Uh, remember, this is a pivotal moment in the history of companies, in the marketplace, in learning and development, and you have an opportunity to step up and be the hero in your organization's journey. We want you to step up and be that hero. Thank you again, Audrey, and thank you everyone for being here. My name is Andy Storch. We'll see you on the next session. Thanks again for listening to the Talent Development Hot Seat. If you haven't already, we'd love for you to leave us a rating and review on iTunes to help other people find the show. And as always, you can find all of our episodes and tons of free resources on our website, talentdevelopmenthotseat.com. Thank you again and take care.